Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In season two of The Sneak, a podcast from For the Win and USA Today, we will tell the story of surfing champion Jack Roland Murphy, who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country. But that was just the beginning of his story, one that quickly spun out of control and then turned deadly. The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek, is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery+. Plus. Download the Wondery app and hear all of Season 2 today. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Winds, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. The Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Now, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Counter. Uh, we have a good show this week. I'm excited. We're, we're going to go to Canada, New York, Outside of Austin, Texas, we have a, we have a lot of places to visit today. A lot of a lot of people to talk with. Uh, I'm Chris Corman. Yeah, we're just all over the place. I'm Chris. I'm I'm in Baltimore. I'm north of Baltimore, and Stephen's in the closet in Washington D.C. <laughs> Stephen, what's going on, buddy? Nothing. The closet is nice and cozy in here. It's, it's keeping the sound in. That's that's the goal. My girlfriend's I, outside I, teaching right now. I, I feel like it's good for the uh, the sort of. Uh, attention deficit that all journalists have which is this that we're like constantly thinking about things looking at things and no it's actually uh, terrible because there's like a bunch of clothes and stuff and i'm like looking at it and just like thinking about the clothes and then the i'm not you don't have to, you don't have to wear clothes anymore very, well that's true nobody wears clothes i mean like nobody like when's the last time you put on a, a button-down shirt oh yeah it's been like a year at least all those shirts are just they're just uh buff they're just they're just padding for your for your for this podcast man right forget about button-up shirts like when's the last time i put on pants that i had a button up (laughs) (laughs) uh so true so true we uh we are the uh for the win football coverage team part of it i don't know what you call us but yeah find us at for the win ftw.usatoday.com uh we do have a bunch we have so many friends this week i'm so excited we're going to talk to seth galena of pro football focus uh, about drew Brees, thomas newman who works with us and helps run the uh our nfl wire sites you've probably seen the various wire sites uh thomas sort of oversees the whole gaggle of them there's 34 actually uh he's going to discuss an amazing project uh that they undertook over the summer and that is now out and you can take a look at uh it's a homegrown legends project so it's basically 
building NFL teams with players who were born uh, in the vicinity of those teams. It's, it's pretty fascinating. And then Charles Curtis will join us to talk fantasy football. And then as per usual, we will look ahead to all of week three's games. And Stephen, it feels like a really exciting slate. I don't know. I don't know your thoughts, but I'm, I'm pretty pumped. So the Thursday night game tonight may not be, <laughs> might not be the most, although, well, you know, well, Garden. this Thursday night game doesn't excite you. Just wait till next week when we have Jets Broncos. Why do they do this? Why? Do, why do they sabotage the the poor Thursday night? Uh, but the the weekend games, I mean, it feels feels like we're going to learn a lot. And there's like a good one at every time slot, like one o'clock. I think we have Bills Rams, four o'clock Seahawks Cowboys. Sunday night game, I think is uh, Saints Packers, and then the main event on Monday night, Lamar versus Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait. So we're going to dig on that. But uh, first, let's talk about Drew Brees and his terribleness, I guess. I don't even know what to call it. But we're, like I said, we're going to bring in Seth Galina, who's who's an expert, a QB expert who broke down what's going wrong with I Brees. Wow. I mean, you and Seth just are feuding. I don't, I don't even know what it's about. You're, you're basically the same person. One of you is just Canadian. One of you is in a closet. Right. I'm jealous that he's Canadian and I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I am too. I'd be so good at hockey if I was Canadian. I bet. Uh, so we're going to swing over to him and, and talk Breeze. The counter. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now we're going to go up to Canada uh, for our favorite Canadian and the top uh, flag football quarterback. (laughs) Well, he's not actually mine. I mean, I... The captain of the Flyers is Canadian, so uh, but he is the best uh, flag football quarterback in the country, right? Uh, yes, let's go with that one. <laughs> yeah, Seth Galina from Pro Football Focus uh, is joining us. Good friend of the show. I think this is your third appearance. Is that right? Uh, it is uh, my third appearance. Is, we can send him a shirt. We, do you guys have no. shirts? No, 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 we don't. <laughs> I'm naked. Right you're now. just gonna like send me. A, <laughs> you're gonna send me like a, a black American apparel tee like, with nothing on it. <laughs> we'll send you. We'll send you something. Uh, and you have to send us instructions back on how to sneak into Canada. Right. If, oh, yeah. if uh, like, how can we? <laughs> how can we seek asylum in Canada? Is what we're wondering. Well, like, uh, we both know like a border patrol man. Uh, he's like a bills writer. Uh, oh, at, at the at border. This. So if we get, you can bribe him, and then we're we're. Good. Uh, he's a build writer. He's not going to hook me up. Yeah, the problem is Stephen. <laughs> Stephen can't actually go into the state of New York. He's he's not allowed because how much Bills fans hate him. Uh, yeah, Seth Galina is here joining us. Uh, Seth has his own podcast, the PFF College Football Podcast, creatively named. Where I'm assuming you talk about college football in depth. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's actually it. it's, it's it's actually the PFF flag football podcast, <laughs> and I just talk. I, I I break down every single one of my throws from the the week. 
I, I, Steven, you should make you should make uh, diagrams of Seth's flag football. If he posted, he's afraid to post the clips. He only posts clips of him not playing quarterback. Like I've seen him play defense. I've seen him play receiver. I've never seen a quarterback clip. Well, the video on or the picture on Twitter today where he's uh, about it looks like you're about to receive a snap. Maybe you're reading a defense. It's pretty fierce. The one you you shared today, Stephen. I do a lot of uh, pre-snap like look at what happens to me all the time. Is that I, I like I like call the play in the huddle and then we we go line up and then it's like what play did I call again? So, so it looks like I'm pre-snap reading the defense, but I'm actually just trying to remember what routes I call. Look, I criticize quarterbacks for being dumb, but I play Madden and I always have to like bring up the play art like two seconds after I call, and I'm the one that called the play. Like I'm just an idiot. Oh man, that's amazing. This I, is all a good this is a good intro for the fact that we're about to rip one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I yeah. love it. This is a conversation I've been waiting to have for 15 years. <laughs> uh yeah. So we've brought Seth on because he has a a, a story at PFF. Drew Brees' uncharacteristically poor start means bad news for the Saints offense. Uh and this is a a pretty thorough, in-depth look at just how awful drew Brees has been this season uh and and steven and i've discussed this a couple times we sort of were wondering if breeze was gonna have this sort of regression i mean he's 41 years old uh, he's not been as good the last few years uh, at times he's, he's had rough patches uh but seth is now taking a deeper look at this and it's not good uh so seth why don't you take us through what you saw when you looked at the numbers watch some of the film and just where is Drew Brees right now? Well, right now he's maybe the third worst quarterback, maybe the second worst quarterback in the league right now, just above Carson Wentz, I would imagine. Like I don't see, I don't know if there's anyone (laughs) been worse this year. And the main thing that I see is like, okay, we, we know that the arm strength has been waning for some years, but even though he didn't throw the ball that much like let's say past 20 yards when he did he was still very accurate and he got the ball to the receivers because he made the right decisions and then probably more importantly was in the 10 to 20 yard range he was still the same quarterback that he's really ever been and and I always go back to like the 2018 season where he was pretty much neck and neck with Patrick Mahomes that whole season. It was so two completely different style of quarterbacking. But for, for I think at that time he wants to have been 39, for a 39-year-old to just be that good in terms of and never making a mistake. So, yeah, okay, again, he doesn't, does he throw the ball down the field that much? No, but in the 10 to 20 yards, he never made a mistake. He was on target. He never passed up an opportunity to get those, you know, for him – that intermediate range was were his chunk plays. Whereas like a guy like Mahomes or like Josh Allen, it's like the plus 25 yard throws. Those are where you're getting your chunks. With Breeze, it was it was it was the shorter throws, but it was so good and he never made the mistakes. And then you see the past two games, and you can even go back to the Vikings game last season in the playoffs and the I believe the Panthers game to end the season where he wasn't good either. Even the Tennessee Titans game at the end of the year where he was, he was just okay. Uh, so it's been, it might, it's been two years this year, but it might be like an, another three games. If you add on the back end of last year where two things are happening. First, 
the 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 accuracy is just not there anymore we it's it's wild because he's never like <laughs> we talk about arm strength but like he's still able to put the ball where he wants it the past three years right. in like the new like the 2017 2018 2019 saints which is like the 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 like the new saints right the teams right. that have a defense now and are able to go to the playoffs um as opposed to like the seven and nine teams it's like he's still super accurate so it's like okay well what is one more year it shouldn't the the accuracy shouldn't have been this drastically different and it is right it's 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 like horrible actually so there's that and then you're adding in the fact that he's also passing up opportunities to make his chunk plays those 10 to 20 yard plays that i was talking about so you know, check on Smith in the seam against the 49ers. Emmanuel Sanders on like a deep out route against uh, the, the the Raiders. You're like, well, if you're not taking those routes that are wide open and then you're coming down and you're not being accurate on the ones that you actually are throwing, you know, uh, at like five yard range, then well, you, you can't right. be on the field anymore. Right. Like yeah. yeah, we can give him one more chance or two more chances against against you know the Packers coming up and whoever they have after, but but at some point it's like well we need to get be able to to hit some plays down the field and they absolutely cannot do that right now. What it sounds like to me from just hearing you talk about Bree so far is it sounds a lot like you talking about Teddy Bridgewater for his first couple starts last year where he was passing up opportunities. Uh, he, he obviously wasn't pushing the ball downfield because that's not what Teddy Bridgewater does, but he wasn't, he was passing up opportunities on the intermediate level. And then the accuracy just wasn't quite there. And I mean, the saints eventually made it work, but do you think that they're going to be able to make it work? If breeze is, I mean, I don't think he's going to be this bad for the rest of the year, but if he's more like Teddy Bridgewater was last year. Yeah. Well, this is like, I feel like, the, the, the crazy thing to me is that, you know, we talked about Teddy last year when he came in in his first start, like he had played against the Rams, right. but then the first start was against Seattle and Kamara put the team on his back that day. Kamara kind of put the team on his back on Monday night and it still wasn't enough, which is concerning. Now, obviously, Michael Thomas is not there. And I thought that I thought that it wouldn't be that what I was saying before the game was. Okay, if you get a breeze that's even like 2019 breeze, then I'm not super worried about not having Michael Thomas because I think they're they're still loaded with Cook and Kamara and Sanders and stuff. Like they're still pretty loaded, and even Taysom Hill. Like the, it's it's a good uh, skill position group. Right. But now it's like, well, you need that guy who's always going to win separation uh on on the top of his route stem and breeze can have that kind of leeway to to be i guess a little less accurate and still get completions and they didn't have that guy where like i said i think that the the team should be able to handle it in my my opinion because they're so loaded at the skill position but but with breeze playing like that maybe they're not Seth, what do you think is the cause? Like you said, I mean, I think all of us thought, okay, Breeze might fall off a little bit, but it would be arm strength related. It just seemed like the accuracy was impenetrable with him. Like it was just something that was always going to be there. What, like from a quarterback technique standpoint, 
what could be causing that and is there a fix for it well what i've been trying to do recently is not like it's not trying to like fix other people's mechanics and just try and focus on quarterbacks that i think have have good mechanics to kind of showcase those like whether it's on twitter or in my articles because i like i look at breeze and i'm like well it seems all right like i right. I, I mean maybe there's something that like the elbow is down half an inch that i can't see or or uh, you know um he can't he can't you know create as much torque or whatever that i can't really see but but like from the from like a, let's say a ten thousand foot view, I'm not seeing that much different. It's just I don't know. Maybe it's a it could be a, like a visual thing. Like there's always that thing with accuracy where it's like yeah okay you can have all you can have great mechanics, but if you don't have good depth perception, if you don't have a good understanding of like uh, the receiver's trajectory and how fast he's going and where you need to put the ball, then you're gonna be then you're going to be late on throws. You're going to be behind. You're going to be in front of receivers. So it could be something like that. Where well, do you, do you know who has a uh, nice new clear HD vision <laughs> now? <laughs> Saints got someone on their sideline with that, and he'll push the ball downfield. Is it yeah. Taysom Hill? <laughs> I don't know Taysom Hill's eyesight, but no, He's it's the not backup, Taysom. right? No, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I I would like to see. I'm like already over it. Like, I I, like I, I'm, I'm over breeze at this point and it's crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it had to do with what happened this off season where I was like, oh man, I don't, I'm not sure I really want to root for this guy anymore. And, and it's stuff that we've known for years. It's not like this came out of nowhere, but yeah. it's like, ah, it's just enough. Like I, I liked, and I'm not saying like James Winston is the most perfect. But uh, so yeah, maybe maybe you know what? No, no breeze, no Jameis. Let's just go Taysom Hill and Tommy Stevens as the same yes. one and two quarterbacks. But yeah, I think that for me, like it's just it, it's very soon time for Jameis Winston. The problem is that I don't think I, I don't see Sean Payton pulling that trigger mm-hmm. unless they go like the you know the 2015 Payton Manning route. And I was talking to uh, to a Saints reporter uh, the other day, and he was like, "Yeah, maybe they'll just like come up with like a bogus injury." You know what I mean? That's like, yeah, yeah. He's got an elbow thing, and then it never heals, and then. If he has that game that Peyton had against the Chiefs, I think you like almost have to do it. Like, didn't he throw like five interceptions in that game, and he yeah, got benched? Like that and this this week is rough because you're you're going to, I mean, they're at home, but I mean, what is home field advantage anymore? I mean, except for like the travel purposes, which I think right. is probably a bigger deal than the uh, than the crowd noise and stuff. But you know, they're at home to a team that's like <laughs> ripping and tearing right now. It was so like. Yeah. If they go down early, if they can't move the ball, like Rogers is going to pick them apart, and like the deep, like it's not even that the defense has been horrible. Like it's been it's been mediocre, and we thought that they would be a lot better this year. Because again, like the roster, like on paper, they're they are loaded on both sides of the ball. So, but if Rogers plays like he's been the past two weeks, he were we're we're, we're, we're definitely getting to a situation where. If they're down ten, if they're down seven, if they're down fourteen, whatever it may be, I don't know if Drew Brees after the first two weeks is the quarterback that that should be playing if they want to win those type of games. Now, if he goes back to twenty nineteen Brees, twenty eighteen Brees, 
you know, which is still a possibility, then yeah, then we're fine. Like I have no problem with Breeze there, but right now it's pretty, uh, it's bad. Like, I, I mean, like, I don't know what else to say. Like it's, it's, he's one of the worst quarterbacks after two weeks. It's not so just, this is, yeah, this isn't like Brady, like when like last year and even the year before, before they like started to go, go into like that heavy play action look, Brady looked washed, but he looked washed, but he still looked like a top 10, top 15 quarterback. So you're saying it's not this, like it's more dire than even Brady. The last yeah, couple because of years. What, what if you put Brady 2019 with the Saints offensive line and right. skill position players? You know, that was the thing we talked about with Brady a lot. It's like, yeah, I agree that he wasn't that top three quarterback last mm-hmm. season. But I also agree with you that he wasn't a bottom 20 quarterback, right? He was, he was, you know, eight to 12 range or something like that. Because you still saw it there, he just like didn't trust anybody, and and uh, honestly, even after watching the receivers play against Seattle, like I know it's twenty twenty receiving core, but it's like it's bad. Like they were, that's it's a rough deal there in 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 New England with the with the receiving core. So with Breeze, yeah, there's the differences. It's not that Breeze went from a top five quarterback to a top fifteen quarterback. He went from a top five quarterback to. Carson Wentz like that's not good <laughs> I love that earlier in the conversation like you're bashing Carson Wentz and Drew Brees and earlier in the conversation you included Josh Allen in a discussion of Patrick Mahomes and some other elite quarterback that's, that's 2020 has been so weird <laughs> are we gonna have the, uh, the Josh Allen discussion or, or do we want to keep our like our health and safety intact uh... no we wait till after Sunday when uh he plays that Rams defense. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to look so so easy. Yeah, me too. I do want to hear Seth's take on on Wentz because Steve Steve wrote an article this week about Wentz and uh, I mean, is this guy going to? Is there any fix for Carson Wentz at this point, Seth, or is this just who he is now? Okay, two things. I'm going to deflect here. A, uh, I would never ever read a Stephen Ruiz article, and B, <laughs> <laughs> and B, I just haven't watched enough. When it's like, you know, cause I'm like doing, uh, I'm giving myself an out here, but as someone who's like has, watching both college and NFL, like I have to cut some corners in terms of who I watch. And honestly, that does not excite me to watch Carson Wentz right now. <laughs> like I look at his PFF grade, it's like 52 or something like that. Oh my. It, like it's horrible. He's bad at every metric. The thing with Wentz is like, I watched his two games and like process wise, not bad. Like, I don't think he's forcing things. That's been a thing in the past with him, but I don't think that's the issue. And it's not like he's missing easy throw. Like the Doug Peterson thing, the layup thing that people made fun of him for It was funny, but I think he was right. Like Wentz wasn't really missing layups. He's missing intermediate stuff. And like, he has a track record of not being a a terrible quarterback who can't hit any throws. I think he's going to be fine. He, he just has to get his accuracy intact. I don't know. I think it's going to happen. I don't know. It, what's what's the deal with him in the pocket? He just has like a – he's not quite like Daniel Jones in that he just doesn't know what like what a, what a, what a D lineman is. But like he just has this weird understanding of, of, of like rush lanes and escape po- like places and stuff like that that I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. It's kind of worked out. Obviously, he's like been able to avoid uh, like free rushes sometimes and like escape. Right. But sometimes it's just like you're just standing I, there. I think it's just out. he's been big his whole life, so he's yeah. never he's been able to see over things, and he's never really had to move. Like it happened in the Rams game, where or maybe it was the uh, the Washington game, where 
like it was clear that his right tackle was getting pushed back into him and like he had space to just like kind of shift over to the left and he just didn't take it and just got pushed back into him. Yeah. So I think it, I think it really is just him being comfortable in the pocket because he's so big and he doesn't, he doesn't, he probably never had to move when he was younger. It's, it's like a, it's so different than, and I only say this guy cause I just happened to have the, his, his game on, but, but Minshew is like mm-hmm. the complete opposite where, any any space he can see in the pocket, he'll go take right. it. And it's so yeah. weird. Like he flies around inside the pocket and he's making some plays. So like good for him. That's what I liked about him at Washington State. He was one of the QBs that I liked. I think I liked more than most people, and it's because of that. Like he has such a good feel for the pocket. If he only had an arm, I'd be all in on him, but we can talk about that in yeah. a later day. He also like I I've only seen like the first half like I I you cut you guys called me in the middle of this but like he also like probably should have thrown a couple of interceptions like two oh yeah for sure like not not even like inaccurate type of balls per se but like you can't throw when the corner is standing there or the safety is standing there type of no yeah is. like the Ryan Fitzpatrick comp is so easy but it. It's good. Like he scrambles when he probably thinks he's a better scrambler than he is, is another issue I've seen. Like he scrambles way too much. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick does that. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick scrambles a lot more than people probably realize who probably don't watch Ryan Fitzpatrick because he doesn't play for good teams. But I see a lot of Fitzpatrick in him and that's beyond his personality. Yeah, no, that, I, I agree. I like that comp. All right, so now, so we've we've made we've scheduled discussions on Josh Allen and Gardner Minshew. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to fit those in at some point this season. Seth, thanks for so much for joining us uh, again. His podcast is PFF College Football Podcast. Uh, his Twitter is I think it's PFF underscore Seth. That is uh, correct, probably. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk to you soon. So. Uh, and we'll talk about quarterbacks because that's what we do. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. The counter. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're going to bring in now uh, Thomas Newman, a senior editor in the uh, sports media group. He he runs the NFL Wire Sites. We've obviously mentioned the Wire Sites before on this podcast. And we have Henry McKenna, the managing editor of Patriots Wire, as a, a frequent guest and writes for us, too. Uh, Thomas, I understand you're in Texas right now. How are things going? Things are going pretty good down here. My home of Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually attended two college football games already this season, which is a lot more than the Houston Cougars can say. Yeah. I wore wore a mask the whole time, both games. Let me point that out. (laughs) Poor Houston. Uh, We have brought Thomas on actually to talk about uh, a a fascinating project that he and the Wiresight editors uh, compiled over the summer, and it is now live. Uh, It's the Homegrown Legends uh, project, and it it essentially – 
attempts to put together teams. It, it, it imagines a world where NFL teams are made up of the best talent from the surrounding area. Uh, and this is just a massive undertaking. And these teams are totally fascinating to look at, uh, you know, whether it's your favorite team or the team that's near where you grew up and, and seeing how all these pieces come together. It's a, a really cool project. And you can find that at touchdownwire.usatoday.com. Uh, or if you follow any of the wire sites on, on Twitter, you should be able to find it there. Uh, Thomas, this project, I, I know that it was a massive undertaking. And, and by the way, there's a bracket where you guys can vote. So that so basically the teams, Doug Farrar seeded the teams. And uh, now there is a bracket where you guys can vote on which teams would win these games. And eventually there'll be a champion and the first round concludes around noon today, and uh, you'll be able to see the results over at Touchdown Wire later. But Thomas, how did you sort of come up with this idea, and and then what was it like trying to execute this and, and, and make sure that these teams were all uh, accurate? Quite frankly, because you know it's it's a tough thing to do to 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 try to whittle these players down and figure out where they belong and and which players belong. It is, and we want to make sure that it's a, that these are credible lists. Um, you know, in a nutshell, it it kind of goes back to the the age old debate that you hear a lot of times, usually through the prism of high school football. Of you know, which which states or which cities produce the best talent? You know, is it Texas football or is it Florida football? California football? You know, Ohio is in there. Right. Um, Virginia, you know, we could go on and on. You know, there's there are some states that just have a wealth of talent. Um, you don't often hear it discussed that way through the NFL end of the of the funnel. But uh, when Patrick Mahomes and Nicole Hardman kind of had some fun with each other on Twitter with that very debate a few months ago, it kind of the light bulb went on for me of, uh, you know, if we kind of if we took a hypothetical team from every NFL market and imagined the best NFL players to come from each of those cities and, you know, Photoshop these guys into their new uniforms and kind of imagined, you know, Tom Brady from San Mateo, California, playing alongside OJ Simpson from San Francisco in 49ers uniforms. And, you know, what if we put together these all-star teams um, which is really a way to kind of debate, you know, which cities produce the best NFL talent. You know, is it Los Angeles? Is it Miami? Philadelphia is surprisingly strong. Cleveland, uh, Houston, all of those cities. Um, so that's kind of where the idea came from. And the hope is to get people to to search through and kind of enjoy the debate and, uh, and, and vote in the bracket and, and make their voices heard there in terms of, uh, how to make sure that these are credible lists. Um, I'm just kind of a football nerd. I really like the history of it. I've, I've been reading football books since I was a tyke. Um, you know, and I've been in this business for 25 years now. So I've read just an obnoxious amount of stuff. Um, so I was kind of our first level of um, a safety net to kind of vet the lists that our 32 editors submitted. But we also sought um, a lot of input from folks in the USA Today network, for instance, uh, Mike Oregon at the Tennessean uh, in Nashville. 
he looked over our Tennessee list to make sure we weren't overlooking um, any obvious uh, candidates there. Same with Clayton Freeman in Jacksonville um, and uh, and some other folks throughout the USA Today network. And, and they were very helpful. And, um, you know, ultimately, if we missed somebody uh, who is uh, worthy I'm sure we'll hear about it. You know, and, and there, <laughs> there are some of these, like, for instance, uh, John Elway was born in Washington, but Jack Elway was a coach and moved around a lot, you know, uh, same with Jim Harbaugh and his dad, Jack. Right. Uh, so we, we kind of erred on the fact or the side of where did these guys play the majority of their high school ball? Because that's, that's kind of, I think, you know, where you, that's where you cut your teeth. That's where you learn your skills. And, and we kind of identify that with being deserving of, uh, you know, where you where you belong as a homegrown legend. Right. So do you feel that the so the the top three uh, teams here, Dallas Cowboys came in third, uh, Miami Dolphins second and the Houston, Texas were first. So do you think that we've is is the debate over? Is Texas the best the best place for uh, developing football players? Well, personally, I would like to recuse myself from that conversation. <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to hear what our users have to say. And, uh, you know, I grew up here, so I'm a little bit biased. Um, you know, I also live in Florida now, so I know that folks down there are extremely prideful about the level and amount so, of talent. Yeah, you, you have a lot of stake here. You have... <laughs> <laughs> You're not kidding. I lived in San Diego for for uh, 12 years as well. And so I know that SoCal, Los Angeles, and San Diego, there's a lot of pride there um, as well. So, you know, honestly, I'm more interested in what the users have to say than, than my point of view. You know, those are uh, obviously warm weather states with big populations and storied histories. So it's, it's tough to run up against uh, markets like that, that have that much going for them. But I will say in compiling these li lists, um, Philadelphia and Cleveland were also extremely impressive in the amount of talent that comes through there. Um, you know, I mean, if you're from Pennsylvania or Ohio, it's, it's no surprise that um, high school football is extremely popular there. You know, maybe a Friday Night Lights series wasn't, you know, the book wasn't written and a TV show and a, and a movie didn't come out of it. But there's a ton of talent coming from those states, you know. So um, there are Hall of Pro Football Hall of Famers up and down the Philadelphia and Cleveland rosters on our project, too. So um, I would put those places right there in the mix as well. So, yeah, I, so as, a think... football, as a football nerd, you, I'm not going to ask you to pick the best team, but if you could pick one of these teams to watch play one game, which <laughs> one would it one. be? I think my answer would be Miami, just based on Lamar playing with all those receivers on the team. You know, you absolutely stole my thunder, Steve. Oh, sorry, but, uh, sorry. But, but let me think of it like a, a good number two answer because, yeah, I mean, just thinking about Lamar Jackson with uh, – you know, Michael Irvin. And I mean, you even look at that. Uh, let me just scroll to the roster here. You look at the offensive line uh, that they have is impressive. But I mean, you would have Andre Johnson, Antonio Brown, Chad Johnson and Michael Irvin with Lamar Jackson taking <laughs> snaps. I mean, that that's beyond sick. That that would be, be my first choice. Um, I think. 
Oh, goodness. After that, I guess I would have to probably go with Doug's pick of, uh, of Houston. Um, and, uh, and we kind of had a little bit of a debate over QB one there because, um, both Andrew Luck and Vince Young are from Houston. And, you know, as far as their NFL careers, you know, Luck clearly had the better statistical comparison. But in the hearts and minds of Texas football fans, Vince Young will, will always be on a pedestal because of the 2006 Rose Bowl. Um, so we kind of gave them a special dispensation with Andrew Luck as QB1 and Vince Young as QB2 who can maybe come in and, and run some option or run some wildcat. Um, and you would have Eric Dickerson and Thurman Thomas as, uh, as kind of a platoon behind them in tailbacks. Uh, you'd have Hall of Famers, Otis Taylor and Cliff Branch uh, outside. Martellus Bennett, Bennett, the quotable Martellus Bennett uh, at tight end. So I think that would be a lot of fun to watch those guys uh, combine their talents as well. How did you make your pick for a quarterback uh, for the Steelers? I mean, this is one that, you know, it was it was known as a cradle of quarterbacks for a little bit in the Western Pennsylvania area. Uh, so obviously a tough choice. How did you go through that process? On that one, ultimately, I deferred to Kurt Popejoy, who's our Steelers Wire editor. Um, that was probably the most competitive position in the entire 700 plus players that we selected because you've got Joe Montana, you've got Dan Marino, you've got Johnny Unitas, Jim Kelly. Um, there are several more that I've probably overlooked, but you're talking about um, A-list pro football Hall of Famers, the you know four of the greatest to ever put on a uniform. I, I, I guess ultimately it's, you know, if you're of a certain age, it, you think of Joe Montana and just his his clutch factor. You know, he was Brady before Brady. Like, he put the fear of God into the other team if he had the ball with two minutes remaining. Um, and just those, you know, 4-0 in Super Bowls. And just, I think the clutch factor is what pulled him over uh, over the competition by a little bit there. Thomas, thank you so much for uh, joining to share this with us. I mean, this project is just, uh, I mean, there's just so much here to dig into. And like I said, everybody, you guys can go to Touchdown Wire and vote. Uh, check out all these teams. And this bracket will be unfolding over the next few weeks. And I'm fascinated to see how the fans end up voting. Uh, what else do you guys have coming uh, this week from from touchdown wire i mean there's already some great stuff here from doug and mark uh two really smart football minds that we we love to read you know they have a take on carson wentz up uh a couple other things what else what else should our readers be looking for as we head into week three i i would just echo what you said i think uh you know everything that doug and uh and Mark uh, put out is just so smart. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, more of a researcher in kind of the, the, the history and the numbers. And those guys are so good at just the all 22 breakdowns and explaining in a very uh, succinct and accessible way some of the concepts that, that uh, 
can be awfully complicated. I love the way those guys, you know, break down film. And um, I thought Doug Farrar's uh, Secret Superstars that he posted last night um, was uh, a very cool piece. And he's doing that every week. Um, So that would probably be one of my highlights of the week. But, uh, you know, they're always reacting to uh, to to the the biggest stuff and and breaking it down in an accessible way. Yeah, that's uh, I love the secret secret superstars feature, just, you know, picking the guys who really uh, that you don't notice and who are really making their teams go. Uh, so, Thomas, thanks again for joining us. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again later this season. There's always so much to talk about. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. The counter. All right. Time now to head up to New York. Our good pal, Charles Curtis fantasy guru for for the win also mr everything for for the win charles what's going on in new york city man uh we're back to school so that's been an adventure and uh i think i'm more of a fantasy geek than i am a guru (laughs) i'm fine with that yeah i'm totally fine with with owning that title so yes Uh, we're good everything's good it's september new york you can't complain yeah, no complaining. Head out to the park later. Take a walk. Lovely, lovely time of year. Charles is here to do his uh, stud, dud, and sleeper for the week. And this is the most convoluted segment we have. Uh, it's just totally ridiculous. We have Stephen rate uh, Charles's pick, and he rates them by coach. It makes no sense whatsoever. But we uh, it makes sense to me. It's a scale. It goes from. Uh, Adam Gase to Bill uh, Bill <laughs> Belichick. It's a one to ten. You almost said Bill O'Brien, which would have this. I, that's the scale. There <laughs> is that's uh, just no scale. Uh, so Charles and and th- by the way, this is a takeoff of uh, a piece that Charles writes each week at for the win. So make sure you find that if you want a little bit more information. He just picks uh, three particular players to focus in on here, uh, but he's got more. And honestly, our fantasy coverage is fantastic. Both him and. Henry McKenna uh, do a wonderful job making sure you can beat your friends in fantasy football or win money, I guess, if you're into that. Uh, Charles, give me your stud for the week. Uh, Kenyon Drake has been kind of a disappointment in the first two weeks, and I completely understand why. It's just uh, he hasn't gotten the carries. The the Cardinals have a runner at quarterback by the name of Kyler Murray. It's just it hasn't been too great for him. And in fact, he talked about it this week on Twitter, where I think he said something like, if you want to drop me in fantasy, like bless somebody else's roster, I'm paraphrasing, but it was great. And I was like, yes, he understands that he's getting a ton of tweets from silly fantasy people. By the way, don't tweet at the athletes. Just just don't do that. Okay. But I think he's going to be a stud this week against the Lions, who happened to own the worst run defense in the NFL entering this week. So I think he's going to get the ball a lot. He's going to score. I think he's going to be a big uh, rebound candidate for this week. All right. I'm going to give this one. I'm trying to think of a, hmm. I'm going to give this one a, a Brian Flores. <laughs> like I, 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 I like what you're, I like what you're thinking. Like your reasoning sounds good, but it's risky. You just don't know how it's going to turn out with Kenyon Drake or, or any of those Arizona players, especially with Arizona's offense where, they do so much option stuff. So it really depends on what the defense is doing and like who gets the ball, whether it's Murray or, or Drake. So I just, I just wouldn't trust a Cardinals running back. Mm, interesting. So I, I like I, where your head's at. And I like where you. Brian Flores is head is at, but you just don't know what he's going to be as a coach. I, like I have Kenyon Drake. 
I have Kenyon Drake on my fantasy team, so I side with Charles here. <laughs> there you uh, go. Dud for the week. Who's I'll go be? with Drew Brees. Let's talk oh, Drew Brees. We, actually, poor you Drew. Talked about Drew Brees, right? Yeah, I we had we had we had Seth Galina on the show today to talk about it too. We've 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 been bashing Brees the whole show. So just I'm just gonna on, give man. you a Belichick straight off the top because any Drew Brees slander is fine by me. That's a Bill Belichick. That's the first Belichick of the season. And wow. I do, and I will explain this further. It's not just me hating on Drew Brees. Like one of the problems, and Seth kind of got into this, is that his precision isn't where it where it uh once was and that's a problem against man coverage because you got tight man coverage the cornerback's close to the receiver so you have to put the ball in a perfect spot and the packers play a lot of man coverage and they have good corners who can do it so i agree i i don't think this is going to be the bounce back week for breeze yeah no michael thomas potentially too that doesn't help yeah and that's his answer versus man coverage is michael thomas so yeah and your sleeper charles Let's go. But let's talk about Deontay Johnson. I love Deontay Johnson. I am just loving this. The guy got 10 looks in week one. He didn't really look that good in week one on, on screen. I watched that game. That was Steelers Giants. And he dropped a few passes. I think Ben Roethlisberger threw one where he hadn't even gone into his, uh, I think it was on Deontay uh, on his route. It hit him in the back of the head. And I was like, I have, you know, have him in a couple of weeks. And I was like, Come on, man. Like, you know, this is your big opportunity. Ben's looking your way. And he ended up having a pretty decent game. And then last week, he exploded. 13 targets. And I kind of am wondering if he's the the top wide receiver in Pittsburgh instead of Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, either of them were really good options, but I think Deontay's going to explode again this week. He's playing the Texans. There will be potentially offensive plenty uh, if the Texans can wake up against a very tough Steelers defense. So, Steven, grade the deal. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with a non-head coach. Oh, I'm going to go with Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator <laughs> for the 49ers. Because is this? I don't play. I, I'm not playing fantasy football this year for the first time like, in my life. Is Deontay Johnson considered a sleeper? I feel like he's a good a good receiver. He's a good option. I don't think he's a sleeper. I think this is like an easy like. I think you'll end up looking right, but like Robert Sala, you have all this talent to work with. You should be looking right with this pick. It's an easy pick. And I know how much you love Robert Sala, so I, <laughs> I, I get this commentary. I think the answer to that is that Deontay's been – he came into the year a sleeper, right? Because you had Juju Smith-Schuster being the, the top receiver there. You had Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. coming back. And, and people were wondering, is he going to repeat his rookie year when he was getting thrown the football by two awful quarterbacks? Is he going to repeat this? And I think he's – He's not only repeating it, but he might exceed it. That's where I think the sleeper kind of thing comes in. And also, I think, like, people drafted him more as, like, a wide receiver three as opposed to where he's at now, which is probably wide receiver two with more upside than that, potentially. Well, this is a Deontay Johnson, a pro Deontay Johnson podcast. I just want to throw that out there. We're we're pro Deontay Johnson. Yeah. So we we don't consider him a sleeper around here. We consider him a stud every week. I there have him go. on my fantasy team. So you have everyone on your fantasy team. I, apparently, team, yeah. I, we didn't even we didn't even plan it this way. But Charles is just he's he's liking my team. I this guess. is why they this is why he's a fantasy football geek. Guru, <laughs> I, was I think. Say guru, but Charles, thanks so much for joining us, man. Always great to talk to you, and uh, we'll be back next week for more <laughs> of this ridiculous segment, <laughs> I which I love. Great. Yeah, it's fantastic. You guys are the best. Thanks. Take care, man. The Counter. 
Man, always so good to uh, catch up with Charles and get the fantasy takes, uh, even when I don't understand what's happening. Uh, let's get to let's get to the, the slate of games. Let's let's look forward to the week. And as you alluded to earlier in the show, uh, Chiefs Ravens is the Monday night game. And man, I mean, this game just lines up to be everything you could want in a football game. Uh, both teams are two and oh, Chiefs are coming off a little bit of a disappointing, uh, you know, game where they had to win in overtime. Uh, the Ravens and the Ravens have not run the ball well is probably the story that maybe people are not totally understanding is that uh, Lamar Jackson has really carried this offense by throwing the football. Uh, so how are you looking at this game? And I know we talked about this last week, but there seems to be a little bit of a blueprint on how you can slow down the Chiefs. It's just a question of whether or not teams can do it without having right. a defensive line that is supremely talented. And the Ravens don't have one of those, but they do uh, have they do not. a lunatic of a defensive coordinator in, in Don Martindale, who we've talked about on this podcast before. And... I think the Chiefs game last year was really his light bulb moment when he realized I have to blitz if we're going to get if we're going to be successful on on uh, defense and pass defense because Patrick Mahomes had just a world of time in that game. It was a high scoring game. Both defenses struggled. Both offenses did well. And that's my big question going into this game: Is Martindale going? to blitz Patrick Mahomes. It's it's a dicey proposition. Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks against the blitz based on pass rating, based on PFF grade. He's just been tremendous against the blitz. But there aren't very many blitz schemes like the one the Ravens employ. So I really want to see that. I want to see that's going to be the thing I'm looking at when the Chiefs have the ball is how much pressure Martindale is sending at Mahomes. And really, that's the only time they had any type of success against him his stat his production was his numbers were looked decent against the blitz but his pff grade was actually in the i think it was like low high 60s low 70s compared to the rest of the game when he was just a stud so i'm expecting to see more blitzing and i hope that that's what we get because it'll make the matchup more fun i think we're going to get a lot of big plays both ways you're going to get some sacks some interceptions maybe or you're going to get Mahomes launching the ball downfield to Tyreek Hill, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess my question was about the 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 blitzing and the pressuring of Mahomes, and uh, which we've talked, we've sort of talked about this issue. It was uh, over the summer when you did the, the series on pressures and, and getting to quarterbacks, and how much of a difference that makes. And you know, we know the Ravens sort of don't have they've they've been loath to pay for. Uh, "Quote unquote pressure," you know they're not they're, they 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 don't want to give out the big contract for guys who are going to come off the edge because they think Martindale can scheme it up a little bit. But some of that is he's showing pressure and then pulling it back. You know he's he's making it appear as though there's pressure. Uh, so do the Ra- yeah. I mean do they have to actually blitz for this to work or is Patrick Mahomes a guy that could be susceptible to not reading that quickly enough and having the same issues. I think it depends on how many looks you have. Cause they did send two creepers as we call them or simulated pressures where a uh, traditional pass rusher is dropping back into coverage and like a linebacker or safety or, or defensive back is, is 
blitzing. It's a four-man rush, but it kind of looks like a blitz to the quarterback. Right. He sent two. One of them, Mahomes kind of panicked and threw the ball away. The other one, he quickly found – it was the same the same rush pattern. So it, it was basically so he, he the same figured it out. <laughs> he figured it out, and he <laughs> threw it to a running back, and he picked up a big chunk of yards. But I, it's funny you ask that because I actually looked up how the Chiefs did against Creepers last year. And Mahomes averaged – I took out the, the games that Mar- Matt Moore started. Mahomes averaged 0.13 EPA per play, which, I mean, positive EPA, you don't want that if you're a defensive player. But compared to Patrick Mahomes' averages, that's actually right. better. So I think it's a strategy that could work. Uh, Tennessee kind of used it. Mahomes made some crazy plays to beat their simulated pressures. And that's really – I mean – you just got to tip your cap to him. That's I think that's the goal is make Patrick Mahomes make those Superman plays because if you just let him sit like pick apart your defense and just you know be a regular quarterback with that offense and with Andy recalling the plays and those receivers, I think it's going to be a long day for your defense. Uh, how much have you been able to watch Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offense uh, so far, and what are you seeing with sort of the second year of this? Pretty unique setup that they have going. Uh, has it evolved much? Are defenses adjusting to it and slowing the run game? Where is this offense right now? Uh, I've I've only watched the games live on TV. I haven't really you know looked at the tape yet. But it, I think teams are selling out to stop the run, mm-hmm. and that's why they're having so much success stopping it. But. And Lamar Jackson's throwing yeah, Lamar all over Jackson them. is just good. Like he's he just grows more comfortable every year as a passer, and we're seeing it. Like he was throwing some ridiculous throws against the Texans, and he frankly against the the Browns too. Just throws that you that not very many quarterbacks could make. Like a lot of the the discourse last year surrounding Lamar as a passer was this: the run game opens up so much for him, right. and he's making easy throws. I think right. that. That is happening to a certain extent. The run game, I mean, defenses are selling out to stop the run game. And obviously, if you're selling out to stop the run game, it's harder to defend the pass. But Lamar is not making easy throws this year. He's making high-level throws from weird arm angles. He's avoiding pressure. He, like He's really taking his game to another level as a passer. And teams are going to have to adjust eventually. And then I think the run game will get back on track. And... I, I think this is the week that the run game gets back on track because they're going up against a defense that doesn't really prioritize stopping the run, and it shows up in the numbers. They haven't been very good against the run for the last two years. Uh, the Ravens are a favorite in this one, uh, three and a half points. What's uh, what's your thought on this? What, what, what did you pick this week? Well, in our picks post, I, I picked the Ravens. I took the points. Uh, I... I think they're going to blitz, and I think it's going to give Mahomes some some problems. I think he's going to be throwing the ball short like he has been all year when he's had pro- uh, pressure on him. I, I, I mean, it's just a gut feeling. Like I'm not basing this off of anything. I just I think <laughs> Lamar will just have a better game, and they're going up against a defense that doesn't stop the run, as I just said. I, I just think it's a a good matchup for the Ravens' offense, and the Chiefs' offense hasn't really been clicking. At least last week it wasn't clicking, so I'm just I'm going with the the hotter team. I'm going to go with Baltimore. Uh, let's talk a game that is 
Yeah, uh, there's some surprises here. The uh, the Rams and Bills, Rams at Bills, both two and zero, but both and we knew that uh, the Rams we knew were in one of the most difficult divisions in football, and probably we certainly sort of felt heading into the year that they were going to be uh, in in the second tier of that division and and maybe left behind, but they now uh, certainly appear like one of, if not the best team in the NFC. I know that's a take that you shared elsewhere this week. Uh, And the bills are, you know, we knew the defense was going to be good and it's been good. And we knew the offense was going to be steady, but Josh Allen has been, I Josh Allen's been good. He's he's answered a lot of questions that has he people like, well, I mean, he's been good. He's been good, but has he answered the questions? I think he has answered at least one question, and that's can he be accurate enough? And he's been very accurate this this year. I give him credit for that. But we haven't he and he hasn't had an opportunity to show this off, but he we haven't seen him take any steps mentally. And that's partly because he's been playing defenses that are content to play man coverage. And you don't really do a lot of thinking when you play man coverage. You're just picking out the best matchup for yourself and you're throwing the ball to him. Whereas against zone, you kind of have to figure out what kind of zone defense it, it is, where the holes are. You got to anticipate where defenders are going to end up, where your receiver is going to end up. And we haven't seen that yet. And the few snaps where he's had to do that are the snaps where he's kind of looked like the old Josh Allen. Cause mm-hmm. he has avoided turnovers or at least interceptions. He did fumble twice against the jets, but he has, he's had at least three passes that should have been intercepted intercepted he threw two interse- uh, would be interceptions against the dolphins last week he threw one into coverage in the red zone against the jets and at the same time he still while he has been accurate he still has those ugly misses like those two open touchdowns in the jets game he had an ugly right. those were ugly misses and he has other ones where he's just skipping the ball on quick outs so i think he has a lot still to answer and i think this game is one where he's going to have an opportunity to show that he is a different quarterback yeah, I mean to be clear, our our quite we are not Bills fans. We we have not been jumping off the table, uh, jumping off cars onto tables, and potentially damaging our brains. So I don't think my questions were like, "Is he going to become a great quarterback?" It was more like, "Is he going to be good enough to not waste a good defense and a good surrounding tech?" Because we were afraid that he just wasn't really going to be able to get the ball to Stephon Diggs, and he has. Uh, yeah, you know, he's been able to, and a lot of that has been schemed up for him. Uh, you and I were looking, you you sent me the pass chart for the year, and it's astounding. I mean, it's astounding to see the type of passes that, and the routes that are actually being run by Bill's. It's the same routes over and over again. Yeah, I, I mean, I have, I, you look at these things much closer than I do watch film. I, have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, it's, it's so singular. It's so... Uh, it's. I mean, he's really making the same sorts of throws. Yeah, and I was actually talking to uh, PFF Seth about this off the air, and he kind of said that he came to the same conclusion as me. He's like, oh, so the Bills are just running the same play over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, that's what they're doing. They keep throwing these crossing routes, and then they make, throw in a couple quick outs every now and then. And I get why they're doing that. Those are oh, Those are the type of routes you want – want to throw against man coverage, which they've seen a lot of so far earlier, early this year. And also I went back cause I wrote about Stefan Diggs's targets in our cut up post that we had earlier in the week. And I noticed he was running a lot of crossing routes. I hadn't watched the whole offense. So I, I thought it maybe it was just him. 
And I went back and looked at Josh Allen's numbers throwing that route in particular, and he was very good at it last year too. Mm-hmm. And he was also good at throwing quick outs. So it makes sense that Dayball has built the offense around routes that Allen right. can throw because it, you know, accuracy is such a big deal with him. So if you could find some routes that he throws accurately, because it takes different skills. I think anyone who's ever thrown a football knows this. It takes different skills to throw different routes. Like throwing, someone might be good at throwing a, a vertical route, but they can't throw crossing routes, and it could be vice versa. So right. I think the Bills have done a, an excellent job of playing through his, to his strengths. The problem for this week is, and I've been watching a lot of the Rams' defense. I've watched both games so far and because I, I really like their scheme. But it is uniquely suited to stopping the the – exact routes the Bills have been running. And I'd say they're, the front they played against the Eagles is suited to stop their run game, which is an option run game with with uh, Josh Allen involved, and he could throw RPOs also. They're actually running a front that we've written about in the past in After the Boom where we wrote about the mint front, right, Alabama right. and Georgia. The Rams right. ran that last week against the Eagles, like an exact copy of that. They It, wow. it was what they were running. And I think we're going to see it again this week because it's the same kind of offense they're dealing with. So you're, do you think the Rams defense coordinator is, your, is now your favorite young defense coordinator? I'm, I'm getting I'm getting a vibe from you. that. Yeah, I would say like there aren't a lot of young defensive coordinators. I've kind of pointed this out in the past. I think like the offensive gurus are always young but the defensive coordinators they kind of have to earn their stripes and they're always they always skew older like right. Bill Belichick, Vic Fangio, Spagnola like I can only really think of two young coordinators that stand out to me and that's Dennis Allen with New Orleans a, a, a guy we're going to talk about in in a bit and then Brandon Staley who's with the Rams who was coaching John Carroll University two three years ago which is just just astounds me that he's made this leap in in such a short period of yeah, time. Yeah, it's amazing. So, what makes the Rams so uh, so perfect to stop what the Bills have been doing? What just it's how they deploy their uh, safeties. And i I keep bringing up PFF Seth, but he actually wrote an article about this about how you're going to see teams playing more too high because teams are throwing a lot of crossing routes. And uh, as we said, the bills have been just throwing them at a high rate and the Rams have basically just operated out of too high all season so far. And they kind of had their safeties not dropping too deep, but they're in that intermediate range where they're at like 10 to 15 yards. And they're kind of like poaching the crossing routes. They're kind of sitting on it from the opposite side of the field. So like a crossing route, a guy's going to start on the left side of the field and run to the right. right side of the field. So that right safety is kind of sitting on it. And then like the Eagles game, Carson Wentz just didn't care. He just kept throwing them and <laughs> he was throwing hospital balls all game long. So I really think it's going to force Josh Allen to show, show us that he has a plan B that he has, uh, you know, a second pitch. He doesn't have to rely on his fastball because that crossing route has been his fastball this this year, and he's had a lot of su- success with it, and he hasn't had to go to a secondary pitch. Sorry for the extended baseball narrative, uh, <laughs> metaphor, but I think we're going to have to see him resort to plan B, and that's why I think we're really going to see whether he's really grown as a passer mentally. Uh, the Bills are the favorite in this one, two and a half. Uh, what What did you take? What, what's your read on how this game will play out? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm – Big on the Rams. I bet against the Rams last week, which was foolish just because I thought <laughs> the Eagles would bounce back. I didn't know Carson Wentz would forget how to throw a football, but he did. I mean, but he knows yeah. how to throw it. He just doesn't know how to throw it to the right place. Right. He doesn't know He's good at throwing it. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, so you think the Ram? You think the Rams in this one? Yeah, I'm gonna pick the Rams. Uh, and then another one that I know you have been taking a closer look at the Sunday night game that is the Packers visiting the Saints. Uh, we had that extended discussion with Seth, PFF Seth, if you will, uh, about Drew Brees' struggles and w- whether he's going to be able to correct them. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, meanwhile, is just sure seems like he's all the way back. Uh, it's small sample size, but has been really good. Um, a, but there is one one look that he's not been so good against, and you're wondering if the Saints will be able to deploy that. Uh, tell me what you saw when you looked at this. Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of came up with this theory before I even looked into the numbers, and, like, my priors were confirmed. The Saints play a lot of two high coverages. They have a lot of two safeties deep, and they defend the run with fewer numbers in the box, and they've been really good at it. And apparently they've been really good at it early in this year. They, I think they're giving up minus – 0.21 EPA per run out of two high coverages. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to do that against this type of offense, the Matt LaFleur, you know, Kyle Shanahan type of offense where you need to be able to defend the run with as few numbers as possible so you could still guard the, the play action pass because that's how they get their big chunks. And Aaron Rodgers hasn't been great against uh, two high coverages this year. His success rate is like 25th in the league right now. It's like 47%. His, his EPA is still good because he has had a couple chunk plays where he's, you know, hit the the holes in the zones of a, a cover two defense, but that's not really what the Saints do. So I don't think those holes will be as open as they were against the Lions. Uh, I really want to see if they, if, if they can, I think if they can defend the run out of these two high looks and limit those big plays, the Saints have a chance in this game, even if Drew Brees isn't playing well. I think that's the big key, how well they can defend the run out of the two high coverages. Yeah, it looks like the Packers might not have Devontae Adams, too, who uh, missed practice again today. So, you know, I think that'd probably be pretty devastating for Rodgers if he's trying to figure that problem out. New Orleans is the favorite here by three. What did you take? I don't even remember. <laughs> I think I took the Packers because I think I, you get a second chance. You can say whatever you want now. Then, right? I th- I think I took the Packers, but I would probably stay away from this game because there's always that chance that Drew Brees has the rebound game, like and just makes us all look stupid for worrying about him the last couple weeks. But I, he just as we talked about with Seth, like he just looks so bad. I. I I can't take him over Aaron Rodgers with how Rodgers is playing right now, no matter what the Saints do defensively. It's like you said in the video we shot earlier this week, though, like you just know Breeze is going to pop off some 425 yard game, you know, just out of nowhere. And you're like, oh. and it might not be Breeze. It might be Sean Payton just, you know, calling a hell <laughs> right, of a game. Right. Yeah. I mean, figuring out what Breeze can still do and having him do that rather than, I, I mean, although if, if Breeze can't, complete pass over six yards. I'm not sure what that is, but Sean Payton could figure it out. Uh, Let's look at the rest of the slate. Uh, What's, what's going down here. Uh, We talked a little bit about Carson Wentz uh, throughout the show. Uh, Bengals visit the Eagles. Uh, I, you know, this, you wrote a post this week where you, I really loved this approach. I'm, 
I know that it was very time consuming, but I may ask you to do it on other other games like this. But you broke you broke down uh, the fault basically on all of the Eagles' negative EPA plays. So negative EPA is expected points added. Uh, you know, it's an advanced metric that a bunch of different places. Uh, track now and that we refer to all the time but so you took all the negative plays and then you tried to assign those points to specific people um, or groups of people and figure out okay is it actually Carson Wentz's fault and the answer was just resounding that yes it is most definitely Carson Wentz's fault that the Eagles have been as terrible as they have been Um, so I, you know, are you seeing a bounce back is, you know, you said earlier, I think you said it earlier when you were talking to Seth, we we're talking to Seth, like, you know, he's, he's still a guy who knows how to play football. It's going to come back to some degree. Yeah. Does that happen this week or uh, what, what's your thought? Yeah, I think it does happen because he's playing a bad Bengals defense. The last we saw of the Bengals defense was just, it was one of the worst games from a defense that we've seen. Like there was just people running wide open against the Browns. So he's going to have the opportunity. And as bad as that finding sounds from the, the Wentz article that he's like cost them like 25 points. I do think it's kind of encouraging just because it's all based on accuracy. It's not like he's like making bad decisions over and over again. Like even the interceptions right. against the, against Washington, I don't think they would have been interceptions if he actually threw the ball where he was trying to throw the ball. He left the ball inside so the cornerback could jump the route. If you'd thrown it outside, I don't think it would have been an interception. The Rams throw, that was a a terrible decision. But yeah, it's just all accuracy. And like he has a track record of, like he's never been an overly accurate quarterback, but he's never been a quarterback who's missing throws at this high rate. So the larger sample size suggests that he's going to bounce back and get back to a normal accuracy level right the eagles uh have, uh, love 12 personnel because they have two tight ends that they really like right and zacherts and dallas goddard but and they ran it the most in the league last year at 52 percent. they're up to like 75 percent this yeah, year it's really high well i looked at it the other day yeah and it's not been good you know they're not getting good results well well i will say this like nothing has been good and 12 <laughs> personnel has actually been the best of of their personnel grouping so yeah, I, I I don't think that's the problem. I think we, we kind of like hone in on personnel too much just because it's such a simple concept that everyone can get. But like 12 personnel means nothing to me. It's like 12 personnel, but like what, what do the formations look like? Right. Like Because that changes everything. 12 personnel. I mean, it's basically 11 personnel when you have Zach Ertz out there, but I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I mean they don't have any talent at wide receiver, so it's right. not like when you put a tight end on the field, you're you're knocking. And and now Jalen Rieger's out with the injury, so uh, I don't know. You have to talk to De- Deshaun Jackson's mom and, uh, <laughs> and, and was, she followed was, me on Twitter. She was she really. Was, I don't know. She she likes my content. It, it appears, or maybe she doesn't. I'm just misreading her tweets, and she actually no. She was not. Yeah, I mean, I, no. I've I've seen people who hate you on Twitter. It generally <laughs> in, generally includes a lot of death threats and name calling. She she was. Uh, you guys had a rapport. I feel so. Maybe I should uh, do the podcast with her from now on. Or maybe we should invite her on. We, I mean, we should. I would, I would talk to DJ's mom for sure. Uh, the Eagles are actually a five point favorite in this game. 
Um, I'm laying the points. I'm taking yeah. the Eagles. I think they bounce back. I think that defensive line, the defensive line has been good. Malik Jackson has been really good. I don't I don't think people have noticed because of mm-hmm. everything else that's going wrong, but Malik Jackson right. has been really good. And I, I expect Fletcher Cox to have a good game. That interior of that line is really not good. So Joe Burrow is going to have a hell of a time, to get, you know, having time in the pocket. So, yeah. Yeah, the Wentz storyline has sort of swallowed up everything else about this football team, which, you know, we are guilty of it, too. We talk about quarterbacks endlessly on this show. Uh, That's sort of how football goes. But, uh, you know, I think it's probably overblown in Philadelphia, which uh, that tends to happen with the Philadelphia (laughs) media and fans. Uh, It's a little bit of a reactionary fan base. Um, So we'll see where that where, where this game takes the Eagles and because uh, the NFC East is still just a total mess. Uh, Bears, Falcons, Bears surprisingly 2-0, <laughs> Falcons 0-2, and, and I will tell you that the Falcons are favored in this game. So, Oh, yeah, uh, they should be. Like, <laughs> Matt Ryan is playing at such a high level. Right. And I like the Bears PR uh, staff tweeted out that they were eight and two and in one possession right. Close games. games. Yeah, it like it was like supposed to be a good thing, but as we know, like that's not a good thing. If you're relying on one possession games, then you're probably not as good as your record implies. So I really think the Falcons are going to win this game. There's no way Mitch Trubisky is is you know keeping up with Matt Ryan with the offense playing like it is even against a terrible defense. He's not Dak Prescott, so he's not going to be able to take advantage of it. Uh, The football team is taking on the Browns um, in Cleveland, and uh, the Browns are a seven-point favorite here. So someone is not liking what the football team has been doing. Uh, What do you see in this matchup? I I would not bet on this game, but... I we shouldn't on any games, though. We're we're uh, oh yeah, we're not ethi- allowed. Our to. ethics policy states that we should not. So. Yeah, wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> but I'm probably gonna get fired for saying it. But uh, yeah, I think it comes down to like how Stefanski calls the game. Is he gonna go play action heavy again? Because that will help slow down that rush. I, I I really think the key number in this one is pressure rate. If Baker Mayfield is getting pressured by that defensive line. And the the Washington secondary has actually been good outside of Penn State and combine legend Troy Apke, who's just been embarrassing to watch. You should be ashamed. Uh, I, I didn't train him. Come on. <laughs> but you're a Penn State grad, so it's... I, I, look, there's you. a lot more to be ashamed about with Penn State grad. <laughs> this is than, true. Than Troy Apke. Okay. Yeah. Troy Apke might be number two on that list. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it really comes down to that, like the pressure rate. If Baker Mayfield's under pressure... I think it will be a bad game for him. If he's not, I think it will be a good game for him. So, so what do they do? What do they do to to scheme him out of pressure against that defense? Play play action, like what they did against Cincinnati. I don't think they did it against. They have to do right, right? Because Baker, that's the the type of quarterback Baker Mayfield is. Yeah, that's always like a sad realization. Like when you know your quarterback's not good enough, you're like, well, I guess we're gonna have to hire one of these Shanahan guys who just calls play action over and over again. Right. Well, I mean, it's what you got to do sometimes. Uh, speaking of that, Titans versus Vikings. Uh, right. <laughs> these two quarterbacks. Um, Tennessee is favored here, two and a half. Uh, Titans are off to a 2-0 start. Vikings off to an 0-2 start. Uh, Kirk Cousins was abominable last week. I mean, just, just 
horrifically bad. Um, do you see any bounce back from him this week? How do you see this playing out? Well, yeah, I see a bounce back in that he can't be worse nah, than he was no last way. week. But right. no, Kirk Cousins isn't that bad of a quarterback. Like He's going to give you some decent results. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a good game. My one concern with the Vikings is their run defense has just been pushed around. They got bullied by the Colts offensive line. It was, it was pretty embarrassing. Uh, and that's not something you want. You know, you want to be playing like when you're going up against the Titans. It's just that Derrick Henry hasn't been great and the Titans running game hasn't been great this year. So, you know, I think we're going to find out about the Titans and whether Henry is going to be good going forward or maybe we're going to start talking about him being not washed, but not what he once was. And then we're going to be asking about that contract that he signed. Right. We're going to be talking about him being a running back. I mean, this <laughs> right. happens exactly. to running backs, you know, like uh, it's Adrian Peterson and Frank, Frank Gore are just like, they're, they're way outliers. You know, and the thing about Frank Gore is like, he's not good. He's like, he's like <laughs> just, survived. He's just hung around. <laughs> right. Uh, like Adrian uh, Peterson actually like has juice. Like he, I watched him in week one and I was like, how is, I didn't, I thought he was like some young rookie when I like, I didn't he I didn't have the sound on. So I didn't know who was running. I was like, wait, that's Adrian Peterson. <laughs> Amazing. Um, uh, so which, uh, did, did you say who you're taking for this one? Tennessee favorite? Uh, no, I'm not taking anyone. I refuse to pick. Refuse to pick. All right. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's righteous, man. That's, uh, I think it's justified. Uh, Raiders at Patriots. New England is a five and a half point favorite in this one. Uh, you know, uh, Vegas coming off the upset of the Saints on Monday night, but that means they played Monday night. Um, the Patriots, uh, you know, certainly played well. It was um, by by some accounts, including you, I think it might have been one of Cam Newton's best games ever, passing the football last yeah, it week. Was up there, it was definitely yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, so what do you uh, see for this one? Uh, I'm. I think the Patriots are going to win this one easily. I know the Raiders. I mean, they did well last week. They beat the Saints. I didn't expect them to beat the Saints, but it seemed like. I know the offense did well, but it seemed like they were just like scratching and clawing for every drive to stay alive. Like they did a lot of like they had to convert on third down a lot. And I I saw a stat. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it and pull it up, but. Basically, they're relying on. Oh, I actually found it. Uh, <laughs> Incredible, right? Uh, it's from PFF Moo, one of my favorites. But they are converting. They're turning. Uh, they're getting first downs, twenty-two percent of the time, or seventy-two percent of the time on early downs, and that's one of the lowest numbers in the league. They're really relying on third down to move the chains, and after a while, that's going to regress. Like you can't right. rely on third down for that long, and. I, you saw the picture of Bill Belichick on Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Yeah, with the holy sweatshirt. He had like the bags under his eyes. He looked like he hadn't slept in, in three days. He has been game planning nonstop. He's just going to take it to John Gruden and that Raiders defense is still bad. I don't care about what, like what Drew Brees looked like. That was just Drew Brees being bad. Like the offense was still moving the ball. I, I think the Patriots are going to have an easy time on offense. And I really think they like, unlocked something in the passing game like they were really conservative for the first three and a half halves that's i said halves too many but like the first <laughs> six quarters of the season 
But in that second half, when they had to pass, they like realize, oh, oh, we can really do that. Like we can pass right. the ball downfield. Like, and I think that's going to continue in this game against a weak Raiders secondary. Right. I mean, the wide receivers are still not great, but uh, you know, Newton can can do and, it. Um, and when I was looking up the too high thing, I I noticed Cam Newton has like thrown. Actually, Russell Wilson has thrown the least amount of attempts against two high coverages, but Cam Newton's second. So defenses are loading the box to stop Cam Newton. So that's opening things up in the passing game. You know, everybody uh, commented on Twitter about that Belichick photo. And I saw it and I just like, as a, as a parent of three children, I was just like, I don't know. He looks pretty good. Like, you know, not too many holes. Like I looked down at my shirt. I literally had a hole in my shirt (laughs) and, and it had stains on it. Like he didn't have many stains on his shirt. So uh, no, the blood of uh, the blood of children doesn't, doesn't really leave a stain behind (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, it does actually. I because um, I have that on my clothes because <laughs> my children fall and bleed all the time. They're, they're children, man. That's what they do. We do. need to question your parenting. Uh, yes, Why probably all the time. I, mean, I don't think I'm. You know, I'm, oh, but I'm, also I like the people that were like the people clutching their pearls at Bill Belichick. Like, they're like, <laughs> what if another coach did this? Well, guess what? No one else is Bill Belichick. He has six rings. If you care about a holy sweatshirt, then you're thinking about the wrong thing. Well, remember when Jack Del Rio used to wear like a suit on the sideline? Yeah, and he stinks. He's still terrible. Yeah, it did not like none of that matters. Come he's on, even God. worse off. Like, on <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's terrible. Uh, 49ers, Giants, the Nick Bosa-less 49ers. Uh, not sure what's going on with Jimmy G, uh, you know, after, after the MetLife field, uh, controversy from the weekend where a bunch of 49ers players suffered injuries. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. The 49ers are a four point favorite. Um, sure. You know, we talked about it earlier. It seems like the Rams are, are now in control of that division, although the Cardinals are awfully good too, but uh, what do you see coming from this one? As long as Cam, uh, I was about to say Cam Newton, as long as Kyle Shanahan doesn't get hurt on the MetLife turf, I think <laughs> they're going to be fine. Do you? I'm, I'm going to give you a little quiz. You know the the Kyle Shanahan microscope meme that I do. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Do you know the player that started that? The first person put under the microscope. Uh, no. It was Blake Martinez, who now oh, plays yeah. for the Giants. So Kyle Shanahan versus Blake Martinez, part three. Part, parts one and two were an overwhelming mismatch. And I think it's going to happen again. I I know Nick Moldens might even play, but I, I, I Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to scheme things up. I think they're going to score a lot of points. And then you have Jason Garrett on the other side trying to match wits with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I'm taking the, the 49ers. I don't care if, if they're giving up four points Texans at Steelers Pittsburgh's a four point favorite man Bill O'Brien is he going to figure out the Steelers defense (laughs) probably not right I mean Deshaun Watson is just going to be running around for his life yeah this is a I think this is a test for Bill (laughs) O'Brien so failed a bunch of other ones though (laughs) yes he's failed a lot of tests (laughs) Uh, another Penn State guy, but uh, he's not. He's not. He, he doesn't count. He, he saved the football great. program. He did great work at Penn State. That's okay, but I wrote about the Steelers blitzes in that cut up piece I mentioned earlier, and right. one thing that stood out to me is like they weren't like very 
complex blitzes. They were just like sending guys, just running them after after the quarterbacks they've been going on going against. And I think a lot of that has to do with who they were playing. They were playing Drew Locke, Jeff Driscoll, who is Drew Locke, uh, and Daniel Jones. But I don't think you can do that against Deshaun Watson because this, what one thing the Texans do do on offense is they line up in empty and kind of clear up the picture for Watson. If you're spread out, it's kind of hard to disguise where pressure is coming from. And I think Watson will be able to see that if they do blitz a lot and he'll be able to find outlets. So I'm rolling with Deshaun here. And then Ben has looked a little washed. I think the Steelers might end up winning, but I think the Texans cover. I uh, I just actually got a note about this next game, Jets at Colts. Uh, you actually have to play wide receiver for the Jets, um, and you're the number one wide out. Chris, Chris Hogan is number two now. Uh, so you should probably head up that way to Indianapolis right. After, right after the show. Colts are 11 and a half point favorite in this one. Uh, yeah, so, that's, a, that's a big spread. Like, I would stay away from this game just because yeah. of how big that – and you never know, like, they could – get a late touchdown but yeah it's the Colts like I I honestly can't see the Jets winning a game I know they're gonna win a game like they're not gonna mm-hmm. go 0 16 but I just don't see it on the schedule and my one hope for the Jets was that one the receiving core would stay healthy and and they got a lot of young players who might take the leap but they're all hurt so it's not gonna happen and obviously, Gase isn't helping. And but I also thought that Greg Williams would have a decent defense, and it has not been good so far. Like Greg Williams is is very hot and cold as a defensive coordinator, and we're getting one of those cold seasons. So you know the stars are aligning for an zero and sixteen season, and I'm just hoping that doesn't happen because I don't want to see Trevor Lawrence go to that team. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, speaking of zero and sixteen t- tanks, uh, the Panthers at Chargers. Uh, we're going to see Justin Herbert again because Tyrod Taylor is just being horribly mistreated by a doctor in San Diego, which is a... a they're in Los Angeles now. Oh, yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah, like three but, years but, behind there. Uh, I mean, they're they're very close in okay. San Diego and Los Angeles. You know, The doctor might be from San Diego. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, um, what do you see in this one? The Chargers with a rookie quarterback are a six and a half point favorite. Okay. And the Panthers don't have Christian McCaffrey, which is a big oh, that's deal. Right. But I, I might be galaxy braining myself here, but I have been very low on the Panthers defensive coordinator. I've probably ripped him on this podcast, but I will say this. The problem with his approach is it's a little too big 12 for me. Right. But they're going up against an offense that's going to look very Big Twelve. Like they're going up against. I'm I'm expecting it to look like a college offense. So like weirdly, they're set up for this game. I think their defense might have some success against the Chargers' offense, which looked terrible against the Bengals in Week One. And the Panthers' offense hasn't looked too bad. I know Christian McCaffrey is a big part of that, and he's not going to play. So I don't know. But I think Teddy Bridgewater can have a good enough game. Because he's going to get rid of the ball quickly. I don't think the pass rush is going to be a big deal for him just because of the style of quarterback he is. So I could see the Panthers, you know, keeping it close, close enough to cover. I'm not saying they're going to win. And as a Panthers fan, I'm rooting against them every week (laughs) because I want Trevor Lawrence in a Panthers uniform next year. But I think they cover. Does that Uh, make sense? Does that like make sense? Totally. Um, Another four, 425 game bucks at Broncos. The, Tampa Bay 
team <laughs> is a six-point favorite in this one. What's your feeling here? Uh, I picked the Bucks. I'm not confident with that pick because Vic Fangio is capable of giving Tom Brady some issues. I don't know if it's right. going to happen, but I'm not betting on Jeff Driscoll against Tom Brady. Like that's just foolish. So I, that is probably the end of the analysis. Just yeah. Tom Brady, Jeff Driscoll. We're, we're good here. Uh, Lions at Cardinals. The Cardinals are a five and a half point favorite against the hapless Lions. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't too long ago where people were excited about this Lions team and picking them as playoff contenders. Well, yeah. And now they're hapless. That I mean, that's how things tend to go with the Lions. Yeah. Well, I think we all, we certainly felt like Patricia just not figured it out. I mean, you know, besides the, uh, you know, he's horrible with personnel. He's not, he's just, he's not a guy who's connecting with his players clearly, but he's also just not bringing any of the Patriots magic and it's uh, to the defense and it is shown uh, and sure feels like a mismatch going against your buddy Cliff Kingsbury and, and Kyler Murray here. Yeah. Like what the, these two teams played last year in week one and it, it, I think it was a tie and the Cardinals offense really struggled at first. And then Cliff kind of like broke out in the second half. Right. But one of the reasons they struggled is the Lions play a lot of man coverage and the Cardinals had nobody that can, you know, separate from man coverage. Larry Fitzgerald is a thousand years old and runs slower than I do. And uh, Christian Kirk isn't, uh, I don't think he's a great number two receiver, but now they have a guy that can beat man coverage. So I, I don't think the Lions are going to slow them down in the first half or the second half. I think the Cardinals are going to score a lot of points and while Matt, Matt Stafford can keep up with them. I don't know if he's going to keep up with them enough to cover the spread. Cause I do think Arizona is going to put up like 30 points. Uh, and then one final game to discuss. This one's a good one. Exciting. Interesting. Cowboys at Seahawks. Uh, Seattle is a four and a half point favorite. You know, Cowboys obviously came down with that miraculous win on the, what's it, what are they calling it? The watermelon uh, onside kick. <laughs> And then the Seahawks won late against the Patriots. Um, so I I don't know, man. The way the way Russell Wilson's playing, tough to pick pick against this team right now. But what is your thought? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like how is Wilson going to keep this up? Because we've seen him go through these right. stretches before, and like he's a he's a volatile player just because of his style of play. He's like mm-hmm. so good out of structure. But sometimes that's hard to keep up week to week. And I, I think Dak Prescott is just playing just at such a high level. I picked the Cowboys. I'm not confident about it. I do think the Seahawks are the better team, like all around defensively and offensively. But if Russell Wilson isn't perfect, I, I don't know. I think the Cowboys have more talent. And it just comes down to the coaching staff, too. Like, is Mike McCarthy going to do what he did last week when they called a lot of play action, or is he going to revert back to week one? There's so many variables with this one. And the same goes for the the Seahawks. They could always go back to not letting Russ cook. I would not bet on this one, but I'm reluctantly picking the Cowboys. Let the QBs cook. That should be that's the theme for this game. Just let them go. Uh, that's all. That's all we got for this week. It was a fun show. A lot, a lot of people dropping by. Uh, thanks for joining us and listening in. Steven, how do you want to close this one out, man? Uh, let Cam cook. Stop running the ball so much. 
Patriots. Let him throw the ball. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Maybe you know McDaniel's kind of feels his way through a season. He's That's he, true. You know he un, he sort of lets the seat the offense unfurl as the season goes on. That's that's just been the way it was. So maybe we'll see more as it goes. Uh, thanks for joining us here at the counter. Talk to you on Monday morning with a recap of everything that happened Sunday. Take care. The counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Wind, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.